Welcome to The Staggering Truth. I'm your host, Burton Staggs. In this episode of The Staggering Truth, we take a look at the mysterious disappearance of five-year-old Joe Clyde Daniels, a nonverbal autistic child from Tennessee City, Tennessee, just outside of Dixon. Many of you who have followed me know that Joe Clyde Daniels disappeared on April the 4th of 2018. At some point, his father confessed to his murder. He was arrested, and then later, his mother was arrested in connection with his abuse and his murder. I want to do a little something different in this podcast. Normally, and it's fair to say that in my podcast, I tend to take a prosecutorial role. I tend to look at cases from the side of the prosecution. Um, I want to step to the other side of the aisle this time and look at this case from the defense side. And someone told me once, have you ever seen the state or the prosecution try to convict someone so hard that they literally made them not guilty? This podcast is going to be a little bit different. Many of you have asked me all kinds of questions, so I've taken new unsealed information from the last affidavits where the state of Tennessee came back and searched the Daniels property recently based on basically that they had do no they no longer believe the confession of Joseph Daniels. That's why I wanted to put together a timeline a complete timeline to try to answer some of those questions. This podcast may be a little lengthy. It may be a little confusing, but I think it is necessary that we look at both sides of a case, and that's what I want to do in this podcast. So over the next few minutes, we are going to look at the complete and accurate timeline based on information that uh, I have discovered from unsealed documents going back from when I was actually on scene and other things. So this timeline is as factually accurate as I can put together at this point. Let's start with the day before Joe Clyde Daniels disappears. He's a typical five-year-old boy, except he's autistic and nonverbal. His Sunday school teachers tell me that he was really learning to speak. Okay, so he goes to school. So we know he was at school. We know he comes home sometime between 3 and 4 o'clock. His aunt picks him up at the school bus stop and brings him on in the home. She tells me that sometime around 8.30, 9 o'clock, she puts him to bed. That would be on the night of April the 3rd, 2018. I want to, before we get really into the timeline right here, I want to remind you guys 
that the night of April 3rd, there was a tornado warning and a tornado watch in Tennessee. We had torrential rains and we had storms. I know this because I was on storm watch with the station that I watch, that I worked for at that time. So I remember the weather as raining hard and uh, being somewhat tornadic and severe thunderstorms. Okay, let's first cover the disappearance. On Wednesday, April the 4th of 2018, at 6.23 a.m., Joseph Daniels called 911 and reported his son, Joe Clyde Daniels, missing. If you recall, he is very descriptive to the 911 operator, but the thing that stood out to a lot of people is he could not remember what the child was wearing. When the officers arrived, Miss uh, Crystal Daniels told them that she saw Joe Clyde when she put him to bed at 8 p.m. Crystal said she checked the door around 1 or 2 a.m. and it was locked. The parents kept the door padlocked at night because Joe Clyde had a history of leaving the house on his own. That morning, the TBI issued a missing child alert and officials deployed several search teams. That missing child alert contained three large photos of Joe Clyde as a toddler, one recent headshot of him as a five-year-old. At approximately 1 p.m. that afternoon, Daniel McCormick drove by the scene on his way to work and noticed there were search crews. He tells State Trooper A.G. that McCormick, that he saw a person wearing a skeleton on their shirt, he described as pajamas, and that is when the trooper yelled for one of the detectives to come over, and McCormick said he spotted someone wearing a black shirt with a skeleton rib cage on it about 12.45 to 1 a.m. that morning. He saw this at 1193 Garner Creek Road. If you go to 1193 Garners Creek Road, you find a trailer with flags, and I would estimate it's about 400 to 450 yards from the Daniels driveway. Several people have asked, why did he not tell people? If you drive by 1193 Garner Creek Road, it is very possible that McCormick just thought it was someone out in front of that home. There's not a lot of distance from the front drive from Garner Street Road to the mobile home setting on 1193 Garner's Creek. It would be easy for someone to think that a uh, person was just out there in the yard. On the evening of April 4th, 2018, Dixon County Sheriff Deputies Trevor Daniel met with Mr. Daniels, Joseph, uh, to ask him more questions. Daniels explained to him that around 11.30 p.m., Alex, who is the older brother of Joe Clyde, peed on the floor. Mr. Daniels said he told them not to worry about it and to go to bed. Detective Daniels seemed concerned that Mr. Daniels did not mention Joe Clyde peeing on the floor earlier. Uh, Daniels then administered a voice stress analysis to Joe Clyde, uh, to Joseph Daniels. Deputy Daniels has certification as a computer voice stress analysis. Deputy Daniel told a fellow officer he did fine. He passed it. I have no doubt. 
this is actually part of the audio. Deputy Daniel then said to Joseph Daniel, he showed no deception when he asked if he hurt Joe Clyde or was he involved in Joe Clyde's disappearance. Deputy Daniels then administered a voice-stressed analyst test to Crystal, who also passed. For two days, several professional search teams and hundreds of volunteers looked for the missing child. Some specialized efforts included a helicopter from the Tennessee Highway Patrol, a TBI aircraft, private search dogs, Dixon County Emergent Management Association, the Dixon Swiftwater Team, and firefighting crews who drained ponds. After two days of searching, District Attorney Ray Crouch requested the TBI to pursue the case as a criminal matter, which led quickly to the Daniels' confession and arrest. On Saturday, April the 7th, TBI Director Jason Locke, Sheriff Jeff, Blood, Sheriff Jeff Bledsoe, and District Attorney General Ray Crouch had a press conference. At the press conference, Sheriff Bledsoe called off the volunteer searchers and said Mr. Daniels had been charged with first-degree murder and is being held at the Dixon County Jail on a $1 million bond. Now let's move to the confessions. On April 6th, TBI agent Ronnie Faulkner and Joy Boyd interrogated Mr. Daniel using a polygraph and a post-polygraph interview. The interrogations begin at 3.08 p.m. Two hours later, at 5.08, Ronnie Faulkner explained the test results to Joseph Daniels, and he said, There is no doubt from this polygraph that you know where little Joe is. Agent Boyd told Mr. Daniels he is one of two people, someone who likes to hurt children or someone who has made a mistake. Agent Boyd asked, Which is it? At 6.03, approximately three hours into the interrogation, Mr. Daniels had said nothing incriminating. That is when Agent Faulkner raised his voice and said, Joe, somebody in your house did something that night, and they took him out and put him somewhere. He didn't leave on his own. He didn't unlock that door. He didn't go over and find the key. And you talked about it, how hard it was to unlock that lock. All of this didn't happen, okay? You, Alex, or Crystal did something to little Joe and took him out of that house, and you know where he is now, okay? All of this is on video. Joseph Daniels repeated, I did nothing. I did nothing to baby Joe, and I don't know where he's at. I'm telling you everything I remember. I didn't do anything to Joe, baby Joe. Then Agent Boyd said, you're telling me you remember because you're worried about getting in trouble. You're worried about getting in trouble, and I understand that. I wish you would believe me when I told you no matter what you tell me right now, you tell the truth, and you will walk out that door. You're walking out of here, okay? I promise you. I can promise you that no matter what you say to me right now, you are walking out of here. Joseph Daniels replied, I love my boy so much that I would not do anything to hurt him. Then Agent Faulkner said, Evidently you don't because you know where he is at and you know he's not and you're not helping us find him. The longer you sit here not helping us just goes to show how you don't care. I thought from the beginning that you're a good person. In the beginning, I think now that you just don't care what happened to little Joe. You know how to help us find him. You can tell us right now, and we can go find him. The longer you sit here not helping us, 
It just goes to show that you don't care. Agent Faulkner suggested maybe it was an accident, which Mr. Daniel agreed. Mr. Daniel said if it was intentional, that he would have remembered what happened. Mr. Daniels then said when he gets angry, there is stuff that happens that he cannot remember. At 6.25 p.m., Joseph Daniels finally relented to the agent's suggestions. Mr. Daniels said he let Joe Clyde outside, but said, I must have blacked out, though. And imagine that. We're sitting here doing a recording in the studio, and a Amber Alert comes in. Mr. Daniel said he must have blacked out between 11.30 p.m. and 12 a.m. because he does not know what happened to the time, but he remembered he saw the clock showing 12 a.m. when he went back to bed. Agent Boyd continued pressing Mr. Daniels for several hours. Joseph said he let Joe Clyde outside, but he could not remember doing it. Joseph Daniels repeatedly said something happened between 11.30 and 12, but he could not remember. With the agents not accepting any of his denials, Mr. Daniels said he went to the living room, unlocked the door, and put the lock in the toy box. Joseph said Joe Clyde laughed and would not go back to bed, so he spanked him. Joseph said he opened the door and Joe Clyde ran off. Joseph repeated these events occurred between 11.30 and 12. Joseph said he ran out the door and grabbed him, repeated he could not remember any of this happening. Mr. Daniel said he brought Joe Clyde back into the house and spanked him again and let him out, and then he went back to bed. Mr. Daniel said these things may have happened subconsciously. Agent Faulkner reminded Mr. Daniels that the polygraph said he was lying about the location of Joe Clyde. Joseph then says, maybe I blacked out. You're probably right. Around 7 p.m., nearly four hours into the interrogation, agents convinced Joseph Daniels he murdered his son while in a blackout. Joseph said he beat Joe Clyde, prompting him to run out to the door to the end of the driveway. Joseph said he ran outside and brought Joe Clyde back into the living room. He said he beat Joe Clyde by throwing him on the floor, spanking him countless times, and then throwing him on the coffee table. Daniel said he punched Joe Clyde with a closed fist in the head five or six times or, and, or over five or ten minutes until, Joseph, until Joe Clyde was dead. Mr. Daniel said he then loaded Joe Clyde's lifeless body into the trunk of his car, a red Chevy Impala, and took his wife's cell phone to use as a flashlight. Joseph said with Joe Clyde's body in the trunk, he turned left out of his driveway, left on 3rd Street, and then said he drove down McElhaney Road. Joseph said he stopped his car on McElhaney Road, got Joe Clyde out of the trunk, then carried his body and placed it in a field. Joseph said he wore a black shirt containing a green alien dressed as Santa Claus and the words, Believe. Daniel said he wore a red basketball shorts. Later, Mr. Daniel says again that these events occurred between 11.30 and 12 on April 3rd and April 4th. Around 8 p.m., immediately following the confession, Dixie County Sheriff's Office officers transported Daniels to McElhaney Road so he could assist in finding the body of Joe Clyde. Deputies audio recorders recorded this conversation. Agent Boyd asked Mr. Daniels, 
about Joe Clyde's location, and Joseph said it was hard to remember when you lose judgment. Sheriff Bledsoe asked Joseph, do you know why it's hard to remember? Were you drinking or anything like that affects your memory? Joseph said he has psychiatric issues, a bipolar disorder that makes it hard for him to remember. Sheriff Bledsoe asked Daniels, did you put, in, did you put anything over him to protect him or anything? Joseph said he covered Joe's Clyde's body with grass because I was trying to keep him warm. Joseph told Deputy Daniels he had a nonviolent episode in high school where he blacked out and awoke in a Vanderbilt psychiatric ward. Daniels attributed his lack of memory to his bipolar disorder. Sheriff Bledsoe asked Deputy Daniels, had Joseph said anything? The answer was no. This is when Sheriff Bledsoe said, maybe I should hold his hand and pray with him. Maybe that will get him rolling. Law enforcement could not find the body in the location that Mr. Daniels gave. April 7th at 5.53 a.m., Joseph signed a statement typed by Agent Boyd. The confession typed by Agent Boyd stated, Everything I told you in the past about how I killed my son, Baby Joe, Joe Clyde Daniels, is true. I got into my car and drove down Michael Haney Road and got Baby Joe out of the trunk. I had my wife's cell phone in my left hand and using it as a flashlight, and Baby Joe was over my shoulder. I got woken up by Alex, who told me that Baby Joe had peed on the floor. I went and told them to get their asses in the bed. Baby Joe started laughing, so I beat him. That's when he ran out the front door. Baby Joe ran to the road. I saw a car drive by, and then I ran out and got him back in the house. I beat him some more. That's when I killed Baby Joe. I beat him with a closed fist and put his body in the trunk of my car, the red Impala. I went back in, grabbed a cell phone, and I got my wife's phone. I took the house with me. I took baby Joe out to dump his body. I lied to you previously about when I placed baby Joe. I'm telling you now the truth about that part. I placed baby Joe's body in the pond right there on the right side of the dirt road where the road curves, right there in the area I showed you on the map. I placed baby Joe wearing his pajamas in the pond right there, as he points. Agent Boys charged Joseph Daniel with first-degree murder and booked him into the Dixon County Jail at 6.24 a.m., where his bond was set at $1 million. On April the 7th, crews searched the pond off McElhaney Road and found nothing. At approximately 8.49 a.m. on the 7th, when the hour, within hours of being booked, TBI agents took Joseph Daniels out of the Dixon County Jail to find Joe Clyde's body. The agents did not record the encounter on audio or video. According to Agent Holt's account, Joseph stated, Joe Clyde's body was nowhere near McElhaney Road and that he actually turned right out of his driveway. While transporting Joe Clyde's body in the trunk of his red Impala, he stopped at Love Struck Stop and bought a Dr. Pepper using three $1 bills. He went to the bridge over the Piney River in Hickman County where he stopped, opened the trunk, and threw Joe Clyde's body over the bridge. After agents took him to multiple bridges, Mr. Daniel said he could not remember anything and did not bring his son to those bridges. Around 2 o'clock, agents transported Mr. Daniels to the area of McElhaney Road where he met with his father, Joe Clyde, Joe Sr. According to Agent Holt's account, 
Mr. Daniels, who we refer to as Big Joe, entered the agent's vehicle. Daniels told his father he beat Joe Clyde. Mr. Daniels tried to recant his statement because he was ashamed. According to Mr. Daniels' father, Agent Holt yelled several obscenities at Mr. Daniels while insistently patting his gun, while Mr. Daniels, who had no memory of the agent's accusation, sobbed. Mr. Daniels told his father he must have blacked out because he didn't remember anything. After Joseph could not give the TBI agents details of something he could not remember, the agents returned him to the Dixon County Jail at approximately 323. Once back at the Dixon County Jail, Joseph was stripped of his clothes, giving anti-suicide smock, and placed in a continuously lighted cell with no blanket, mat, or pillow. April the 8th, some five days after. Sheriff Jeff Bledsoe interrogated Mr. Daniels while he was on suicide watch and wearing an anti-suicide smock. The interrogation begins at approximately 1.43 p.m. and lasted nearly six hours. Joseph Daniels said to the sheriff, I've tried my best to help the TBI find my boy. I'm trying my best to help them. I've been trying to remember where, what happened. I have tried to remember, but it's so hard. It's like it's buried deep. It's buried. It's like I have just said, hey, just forget it. I feel like whatever I did that made me say, just don't ever think it happened, it's buried so deep that I don't think anybody can get it out. Sheriff Bledsoe said, you can pray about it and you can get it right. And what you can do now is going to help you with what you are dealing with. And I can tell you now on behalf of the district attorney that right now they're looking at the death penalty. But if you can cooperate and we can recover baby Joe, your, your son, and give him a burial, then he's not going to pursue that. Joseph Daniels continued to deny remembering anything throughout the sheriff's interrogation. The sheriff repeatedly told Joseph Daniels he would lose the chance at a proper burial. Sheriff Budso prayed with Mr. Daniels to help him find the courage and strength to recover his memory and reveal Joe Clyde's location. When Joseph Daniels said he did, did believe he didn't do anything, that it would seem like I would remember what happened, Sheriff Bledsoe then said, The polygraph shows us whether you're truthful or not, so that tells us whether you know something or not. The sheriff said that Mr. Daniels used his tablet to point out locations. Joseph said he was afraid to give a place because he could not remember doing anything and worried about being wrong. Sheriff Bledsoe told Joseph, because all of his training and 32 years' experience, he can determine where, whether or not Mr. Daniel is being honest. Joseph said, I haven't showered in days, not since all this happened. Sheriff Bledsoe continuously reminded Mr. Daniels he was facing the death penalty, saying things like, Don't you want to live to see your family? When Joseph said he couldn't remember taking Joe Clyde anywhere, the sheriff said, I know you know. Joseph said, I don't want to lie to you, and I'm trying to figure out where I put him. Sheriff Bledsoe asked Joseph, What is so powerful that is preventing you from giving up the location? Joseph said, The way he looks, the way he looks right now, I'm afraid that you're going to find him, and he's going to be beat badly. 
Despite the sheriff's offer to take the death penalty off the table if he revealed Joe Clyde's location, Joseph could not give any details to something that he did not do. Let's skip to the following day, April the 9th. Sheriff Bledsoe took Mr. Daniels off suicide watch. Sheriff Bledsoe's interrogation of April the 9th was a repeat of April 8th's interrogation, with the only difference being that Joseph Daniels wore clothing. Despite the sheriff's offer to take the death penalty off the table if he revealed Joe Clyde's location, Joseph Daniels could not give any information. April 9th, Crystal Daniels is in. TBI agents Ronnie Faulkner and Joey Boyd told Crystal intimate details of Mr. Daniels' confession. Agent Faulkner said, Jojo hit baby Joe, right? Crystal said she woke to Mr. Daniels, Joseph, telling her Joe Clyde was gone. Agent Boyd said because he hit baby Joe, he said he was gone, meaning he was dead. Crystal says, no, because he was gone. Agent Boyd said, Crystal, tell me the truth. He hit baby Joe. Agent Boyd re repeatedly says, tell me what you saw. Jojo hurt baby Joe. Agent Faulkner said, did he hit him with his fist, throw him on the coffee table? Crystal gave no expression, and Agent Boyd said, Crystal, what else did he do to baby Joe? Crystal said the only reason she knows how Mr. Daniels hurt Joe Clyde was because the TBI told her. Crystal says, do you expect me to give you every little detail of something I did not even see? I know he hurt Joe because you told me he hurt Joe. Agent Boyd asked her to tell the truth, and Crystal Daniels said, what am I supposed to do, sit here and tell you something I don't know about? Crystal told agents to hook her back up to the polygraph machine. Agent Boyd says, Baby Joe was screaming, wasn't he? And then he suddenly wasn't. Tell me what happened. Crystal said she heard Joseph Daniels say blacked out and hurt Joe Clyde. However, she clarified that information was told to her by Joseph Daniels' father. That is when Agent Boyd said, don't worry about the little stuff like that. Those are little issues that really don't matter. Agent Faulkner says, quit sitting here and telling a lie. After lie, after lie, and tell Joey the truth. Your husband killed your baby, and you saw it. You know what he did. You were in bed asleep and got woke up by him crying and screaming. And you went in there, and you saw what he was doing, and you don't care enough about baby Joe to tell the truth. It's almost like you're glad he's gone. Agent Faulkner says, Are you the one that carried baby Joe's body away? Put him in that trunk? Agent Faulkner said, Did you say see Jojo put baby Joe in the trunk? April 11th, Agent Holt and Boyd interrogation. Joseph Daniels told the officers he did not remember doing anything and explained his mental problems. Joseph Daniels told the agents he said did not happen. What he said did not happen. Agent Boyd says to him, You see, when I can prove it, when I can prove it, when I can prove it did, I can corroborate your story. Some people may say, well, just because he confessed, that doesn't mean, well, you know what? I can corroborate what you told me. I can corroborate the truth. That's how I know it's the truth. I don't just believe it because you told me. If I believed every word that you said just because it came out of your mouth, 
I would have said, okay, baby Joe ran out. Baby Joe got lost and fell in a ditch and got abducted. On April the 9th, during this interrogation, Joseph Daniels continues to explain he could not remember or say anything about it because he couldn't remember. Mr. Daniel, Joseph Daniels' family continuously told him that Crystal did something to Joe, Clyde, and that he needed to be honest and stop protecting her. After being incarcerated for several months for something he did not do, Mr. Daniels concocted a story in which Crystal murdered Joe Clyde. He now offers a new confession. Crystal smothered Joe Clyde with a pillow. He saw Crystal drag Joe Clyde's body out the back door. He saw Crystal drive off and turn right onto Garners Creek Road. That is in a letter to Aunt Sue. Let's look at the corroborated statements. Joseph Daniels said that Joe Clyde left the house. Joe Clyde's absence proved that this statement is true. Eyewitness Daniel McCormick spotted Joe Clyde, Joe Clyde alive between 12.45 and 1 a.m., in the yard at 1193 Garners Creek Road, approximately 450 yards from the Daniels driveway. Let's look at the statements that are proven false. Mr. Daniels said he killed Joe Clyde between 1130 and 12. It was proven false because Daniel McCormick spotted Joe Clyde alive at 1245 to 1 a.m., some 450 yards from the Daniels residence. It is also proven false by the complete absence of physical evidence Joe Clyde's remains have not been found. There is no blood or no clothing have been found. Mr. Daniels said he disposed of Joe Clyde's body between 1130 and 12. Once again, that is proven false by the statement of Daniel McCormick. It's also proven false by the complete absence of physical evidence. Mr. Daniels signed a written confession that said, Baby Joe ran to the road, I saw a car drive by, and then I ran out and got him and back into the house. That statement is proven false, once again, by Daniel McCormick. It's proven false because Mr. Daniels did not mention running down the road or even leaving the property. It's proven false because Mr. McCormick saw, as he describes, a four-foot, 65-pound child um, at the end of the driveway, not someone 5'10 and, say, 280. Once again, proven false by the lack of physical evidence. Mr. Daniels said, I got into my car and drove down McElhaney Road and I got baby Joe out of the trunk. That statement is proven false because the TBI admitted more than two years later and recently, after further review of the video, specifically on the evening of 4-3 into the early morning hours of 4-4 by law enforcement, it is believed that no vehicle left the residence or driveway of 112 excuse me, 1112 Garner Creek Road. At this point, several of you are asking about a video that was released a couple months ago and that was reported to be from the Dan a car leaving the Daniels driveway. The defense now says, and the obviously the prosecutors or the state believes this, based on the affidavit, that that vehicle was not coming from the Daniels driveway when in fact, I am told that it is the neighbor's driveway. 
Mr. Daniel said, I beat him with a closed fist and put him in the body of my trunk of my red Impala. Agent Boyd provided this statement was false when he said Mr. Daniel's hands had no marks consistent with beating someone for an extended period. It was also proven false by photos taken at booking that showed Mr. Daniel's hands to be free of any cuts, marks, or abrasions. It's also proven false by the statement by, given by the clerk at Love's Truck Stop, who said he saw no marks on Mr. Daniel's hands. It's also proven false by the complete lack of physical evidence, as we've discussed. Mr. Daniel said he took Crystal Daniels' cell phone to use as a flashlight while disposing of Joe Clyde's body. This statement is proven false because there is no evidence Crystal's cell phone ever left the house between late night hours of April 3rd and the early morning hours of April the 4th. It was proven false because Crystal's cell phone is connected to her home Wi-Fi at 3.07 a.m. during the time the TBA initially claimed it left. It was proven false because the TBI used Mr. Daniels' cell phone GPS data to obtain a new search warrant on May 21, 2020 and excludes any mention of Crystal Daniels' phones. I have been told that the cell phone data of Joseph Daniels' phone shows movement in the early morning hours around the back of the house, to the side of the house, but not leaving the house. These statements are also proven false, once again, by the complete lack of physical evidence. Joe Clyde's remains have not been found, any blood, any DNA, or clothing. Mr. Daniels said he turned right out of his driveway and went to the Love's truck stop before dropping Joe Clyde's body off the bridge in the Piney River. This is proven false because the surveillance video at Love's truck stops never showed Mr. Daniels between late night hours of April 3rd and the early morning hours of April 4th. It was proven false because the TBI admitted more than two years later, after further review of the video, specifically on the evening of 4-3-4-4, and by law enforcement, is believed the vehicle that no vehicle left the residence in the early morning hours. Mr. Daniels said that Crystal Daniels smothered Joe Clyde and drove off with his body. This is also proven false because the TBI admits that no one left the home. Joseph Daniels' written confession states, So I beat him. That's when he ran out the front door. It was proven false because the front door was inaccessible. The door was blocked by a large china cabinet. And I can add personally that I was in the residence five days after the arrest, and there is a china hutch there, or whatever at that time, and they used the back door, not the front door. Now, what about Jenny Jones? Joseph Daniels reported Clyde Daniels missing at 623 on April 4, 2018. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation issued an endangered child alert, and the local news media picked that up. Around 5 p.m., officials sent out a text alert countywide stating no more volunteers were needed due to the massive outpouring of support. For two days, several professional search teams, hundreds of volunteers, looked and looked. Joseph Daniels confessed and was booked in the Dixon County Jail on 624. Sheriff Bledsoe and District Attorney said held a press conference. At the press conference, Sheriff Bledsoe said that all volunteers and searchers said Mr. Daniels was charged with first-degree murder. At 1.56 on April 8th, 31 hours after the press conference regarding Mr. Daniels' arrest, over four days after his reported, 
Jenny Jones called to report something she witnessed in the early morning hours. Mr. Je- Mrs. Jones said she was returning home to her home on Garners Creek Road residence during the early morning hours. Mr. Jones said she saw a man standing on the side of the road around 2 a.m. at the guardrail of Garners Creek Road, Garners Creek Road and Grindstone. On April 17th, 13 days after Clive was reported missing, TBI agent Joe Craig contacted Jenny Jones on a non-recorded phone call. Five days later, Agent Craig reported a report of the April 17th phone call. She saw a man standing on the east side of Garner Creek Road between 1 and 2 a.m. The man was wearing colorful clothes and standing perfectly still. She never made eye contact as they passed. She saw no vehicles. That after watching the news and seeing a photo of Mr. Daniels, she said that she is absolutely certain that that was the person she saw. Jenny Jones signed this statement. I travel west on Highway 70 to Garners Creek Road. I recall approaching, approaching the section of guardrail near my residence and I observed a man standing next to the guardrail on the east side of the road. He was wearing colorful clothes and I was standing perfectly still and never looked at him. I was traveling approximately 30 miles an hour as I drove by. The area below the guardrails has a dry or washed out creek bed. Agent Craig told me that the guardrail were approximately one mile from the Daniels residence. I called the Dixon Police Department at three at 1356 to report what I had seen. On April 25th, Agent Tyler Sells recovered surveillance video to determine when Jenny Jones left the gas station. TBI investigators determined that the middle of the guardrail is one mile from the Garners Creek, from one tail of Garners Creek Road. On May 16th, Agent Craig on May 6th, Agent Craig experimented to see when Jenny Jones passed, the guardrail and agent released. In an effort to recreate the exact route based on time and traffic patterns, I left the Mapco Express at 2350, traveling at all posted speeds with an outdoor with the odometer reading 22828. I arrived at 7309 Birch Park Drive in Fairview per information provided by, and waited 20 minutes and left Fairview. I began traveling towards Garner Creek Road by way of Highway 96 through Fairview, crossing over Interstate 40 into Dixon County. I passed the section of guardrail at 0121. The ending odometer reading was 22875. Miss Jones repeated seeing a suspicious person more than four days after Joe Clyde Daniels was reported missing. Mrs. Jones called. She did not say she saw Mr. Daniels. There was a massive search around her residence, and she still said nothing until four days passed. From her statement, Ms. Jones did not identify Mr. Daniels until she saw him on television. Ms. Jones stated she did not corroborate. Mrs. Jones' statement did not corroborate Mr. Jones' confession. Mr. Daniels said he wore a black shirt and red gym shorts. Ms. Jones said she saw a man wearing colorful clothes. This description of colorful clothes is not distinctive to what Mr. Daniels said he wore. Miss Jones never saw a vehicle. Miss Jones, the only one who claimed a vehicle could be parked in that location and not be seen. Despite all the... Finally, the search was massive and unavoidable. How did Miss Jones not know this? The case of Joe Clyde Daniels is shrouded in mystery. There is so much about this case. We have an initial confession. We have a recanting of the confession. We have mystery surrounding where is this child's body. 
We also have now, a few weeks ago, the TBI saying that the confession is just not right. They tell the judge, basically, that we know a vehicle did not leave that home, so the body must be close. Now, these are my own personal observations of this case. And like I've told you, I typically am very pro-prosecution. But some questions have been raised. We know that Joseph Daniels did leave that house that morning, sometime around the time the 911 call was made. Now, Joseph Daniels has got to be the bravest SOB there's ever been. And he called 911 and put that child's body in that car. Or he didn't do it. I think a lot of us still have a lot of questions. In this episode, we did not even touch on the fact that there are sex offenders that live in that area that were not looked at very closely. One that lives very close was no was questioned very lightly. Was it an abduction? Was it a murder? I'm not sure at this point. But I know one thing. The confession cannot stand. As we go further, we will look deeper and deeper into the disappearance and believe murder of Joe Clyde Daniels. Thank you for listening to The Staggering Truth. This is Burton Staggs.